And welcome back, James. Welcome back, our listeners, to episode 36 of Rounding Third, the baseball podcast. Another good episode. Uh, I think we've got a lot of injuries to talk about today, which is a bit interesting. Some trade rumors, and as always on Wednesday or Thursday, I guess, the player watch and the lock of the week and Sunday Night Baseball preview. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Another week of baseball, James. We're back. Thursday episode. How are you feeling this week? Yeah, I mean, overall, pretty good. I know last episode, I was a little worried about the Dodgers. We kind of left that as the, uh, we'll see how the Diamondback series went. That was a nice old broom, little sweep of the series. Nothing big to report. So I'm kind of come back down to earth on the Dodgers a little bit. Kind of some sad news. We normally during the season, have had some pretty fun news to report. Kind of just bouncing around injury to injury, suspension, you know, nothing too uh, sexy till we get into later in the show. But it's important to cover. I think there's a lot of good things to get into and uh, excited to see your take on some of this. Yeah, definitely some injuries. One happened in the Cardinal game the other day, unfortunately. We'll get into it. But one thing I want to start about, because this is something, you know, I've had a lot of thoughts about. I've heard Ken Rosenthal talking about it. Um, John Morosi was, I think he's the one who originally brought up the idea. And this is a trade rumor that's circulating Surrounding the Cardinals, so I'm very interested, it is that Xander Bogarts could be traded for and become a St. Louis Cardinal. Now, this is this is kind of out there. I don't think really there's any chance that this happens for so many reasons. But just to get into it a little bit, what the Cardinals would need to trade for, first of all, he's when the trade deadline hits, he'll be two months from free agency. And... You know, why would he want to maybe sign some extension with the Cardinals before just testing the market and seeing what he could get elsewhere? Two, do the Cardinals really want to spend, you know, another $150 million on a third infielder? Like, we already pay Nolan and Goldie an insane amount of money. Two, like, what are we, or three, what are we really going to give up for him? You know, a lot of people have talked about our top prospect, Nolan Gorman, giving him up which would be a pretty big ask. Like I, that would be a lot to give up from a Cardinal perspective. He's one of the top prospects in baseball. He's actually getting his start tomorrow for the first time they're bringing him up. I, I don't think it happens nor, I mean, it would be great to have Xander. I mean, we're the shortstop is by far our worst position. Um, Paul DeYoung just is an absolute shit show. He's back uh, in the minors now. Edmundo Sosa is, hit or miss and Brandon Donovan's been good, but he's, you know, we just brought him up and he's playing all over the infield. I don't think it happens. James, what are you, what are your thoughts about this crazy proposition? Yeah. I mean, outside looking in, I don't necessarily see it happening. As you said, I think it makes honestly less sense from the Cardinals perspective because they'd have to package either, like you said, number one prospect or a couple of those guys that they've called up who have really shined. So you could maybe capitalize on value if they're, better right now than what they could be but if you're the Cardinals you're still a rock solid team lined up in good position to make a postseason run 
Not sure they need to really tip the boat right now. As you mentioned, I know Goldie, I think he has two years left on the contract. So maybe free up some capital um, when that happens. And if you're Boston, you know, obviously the talks, they, they stopped at the season. But you have to sort of wonder, you know, how is that going to work if you don't re-sign Bogarts? What does that do to the Raphael Devers extension conversation? Um, and obviously, but they did just give Story a massive deal of what she's underperforming, and we've well documented that. So it's kind of weird if you're Boston. I'm like, I don't know if I blow up the team. You at least try and keep him, see what you have there maybe. I don't know. I it does make sense in terms of the Cardinals need a shortstop. They're a good team. They could be in the market, but I don't ever see this deal really penciling out. I think probably what's more likely is just Bogarts hits the market and he's going to get a mega deal. I mean, another, we had a great round of shortstops this go around last uh, free agency period. There's another whole batch of elite shortstops coming up. So, Yeah, and one of those guys was Carlos Correa, who's represented by Scott Boris, who's the same guy that, uh, represent Xander Bogarts. And so, you know, we know he wants to get after the money. So he would probably encourage Xander to hit the free agency market. But yeah, it makes sense. I mean, the Cardinals need a shortstop. We have five gold glovers and the, the shortstops like by far our weakest defensive position, not counting catcher because we still have Yachty. But, and the Red Sox, I mean, they're, they're terrible. They know Xander is probably going to leave. If they could get something in return, it would be great. And Xander will turn 30 in October, and Nolan Gorman's 22. I would just rather stick with a top middle infield prospect than, you know, I would say probably overpay for someone like Xander Bogarts at this point. But who knows? I, I just, I've, I've seen it in the Twitter rumors and the Twitter mill and, and people talking about it. So I think it needed to be addressed. I would give this probably a 0% chance of happening. You know, maybe if Xander hits free agency and he wants to come to the Cardinals, then maybe. Who knows? I, I'll bump it up to 1% just because the what if. But I do like the take, honestly, for the Cardinals. Just wait, keep all your prospects and take a stab at the contract. Understand some capital will be loose. Obviously, you're going to lose Wayne Yachty and Pujols, who none of them are really on ridiculous deals. But a lot of capital coming. Just take the stab then. See what you have in prospects. Um Definitely. Yeah, I just don't think the Cardinals are a team that would spend a crazy a hundred millions of dollars on a third infielder. Like, I feel like we're already spending more than we usually do by having Nolan and uh, Goldie, and you know we've got we've got a lot of young guys who might be wanting to get paid soon, like Tyler O'Neill if he picks it up, and Bader if he picks it up, and Carlson. I don't know if I pay Tyler <laughs> O'Neill on this oh, season. I, I might be referencing guy. him later in the episode. <laughs> yeah, I, it might be fitting. One last thing before we move, just in the nature of kind of fun-spirited what-if trades, I saw some tiny traction on Dodger Twitter. Keep in mind, I've seen every player in MLB photoshopped in the Dodger uniform at some point in the last <laughs> five years. It's just what the fans do. Seeing some talks about getting Juan Soto out of Washington, I think it's incredibly unrealistic. I'd give it a sub 1% chance that LA somehow trades for him. I mainly want to bring it up to say, like, I would be willing to basically trade almost any player that's not a pitcher or named Marcus Lynn Betts in exchange for Juan Soto. I mean, I think now it's interesting. You, know, you would then have two right fielders, but like, I don't know if Belly even has trade stock, but like maybe in, DC, they're like, well, we may sell tickets. 
But I mean, blocks. I'd give up. I'd give up literally any position player on the Dodgers, plus a couple others to make it happen. I don't think it happens at all. Not free agency. He it's free agency. That's a whole different story. I could see the Dodgers going into a three hundred fifty million dollar payroll to bring Juan Soto onto this team. Yeah, that's interesting. Is he even eligible for free agency yet? Because like you need to hit a certain number of years of service. I don't even think he's hit like arbitration yet, but. I think he may be eclipsing with the new arbitration. I think he may be eclipsing it. But, of course, I mean, I, I forget all the time how young Juan Soto is. He's 22 right. years old. I think he may have just turned 23, actually. But like, and think about that World Series in 2019. 19. Like that, was, that was three years ago. He was 19 when that happened, and he was the best player on the field. I mean, just insane from Juan Soto. Um, so sky's the limit. That's a player I think anyone would love to have. Almost an unlimited contract. Definitely. How about, so we talked about Juan Soto that 2019 year. How about one of his teammates on that uh, on that team? Current New York Mets pitcher Max Scherzer hits the injured list. Very unfortunate. This happened in the Cardinal game yesterday. Uh, Max Scherzer, after he went like six innings pitch, totally dominating the Cardinals for the most part, he basically just threw a pitch and immediately signaled to the dugout, like telling the trainer and them to come out. Um, and Buck Showalter and the trainer came out and he's actually hurt. I originally, he said post game, he didn't think this was going to be a big deal. It wouldn't be too bad. And it's not that bad. It could be a lot worse, but Max Scherzer sidelined for six to eight weeks with moderate to high grade oblique strain. James, what do you think about this? How does this affect the Mets? Yeah. I mean, I think, Look, I saw this coming down the pipeline. I think if you go back to the NL East predictions, I was like, yeah, the Mets at full strength, best lineup in baseball, you know, with the rotation and everything. Didn't think we'd see that. Of course, DeGrom hasn't pitched yet. It's a huge blow. I mean, I think if DeGrom was there, they've clearly shown they can navigate DeGrom's injury. The staff can step up. But now you are taking what? two of maybe the top three, top four pitchers in baseball that were on the same roster and they're injured, it's going to be a lot to carry. And no longer, it kind of seemed like there was this light at the end of the tunnel. Everyone pitch above and beyond your expectations, get the ground back. We can settle in. But now, like, you know, Bassett's the ace. He is the singular ace now, you know, going to need Tewan Walker to step it up. Uh, Tyler McGill's been good, but going to need more out of him so I think it's it's brutal for the Mets who have been having an unreal start to the season you hope they can sustain the blow you hate to have injuries change the tide luckily it's short enough I don't think I think if they can keep the train somewhat on the tracks they should be you know fine in the playoff picture but it also the timelines could add up here where within two weeks of each other you see the New York Mets add Scherzer and DeGrom back into their starting rotation and that would be an insane stretch right and I mean, like a silver lining here, obviously it sucks to lose Max Scherzer, but the silver lining is when you lose a pitcher, you're losing a guy every five days, right? He doesn't play every day. So you're, he's not going to be an everyday player that you're going to miss for a while. So six to eight weeks, I don't know, maybe he misses eight starts, which is a lot, right? That's a lot of starts, but I think they'll be fine. And they, like you said, they've gone this whole time without the best pitcher in baseball and Jacob deGrom. It sucks that they're losing Scherzer. I mean, Mets fans are not happy, nor would I be if I were a Mets fan. But it could be a lot worse. And you'll probably get DeGrom and Scherzer back midsummer when you're trying to gear up to win a World Series, which is what you paid Max Scherzer all this money to do. 
So it sucks. And even from like, like, I don't like the Mets at all. Um, I just watched them kick the Cardinals ass for three out of four games, but it's fun to watch Max Scherzer pitch. He's one of the greatest pitchers of all time. So it's a blow, but he'll be back soon enough. Yeah, I think you just count the blessings that this is an oblique strain and nothing in the arm, nothing in the elbow, you know, and you know, okay, timetable. And he could be accelerated. Like you said, he feels better than the MRIs are indicating. This time frame could shrink, but I love your point. We're really talking about eight games. So in the playoff picture thing, you know, it may change. Some people may have to eat a little more innings, but this is not like DEFCON 5. I don't think Mets fans need to be like our whole season is over, you know. Yeah, fun. and last thing I'll say, like, Tyler McGill and uh, Chris Bassett are both very serviceable top-tier pitchers, so I think they'll be just fine. They would be the best pitcher on probably 16 other staffs individually. <laughs> yeah, so For yeah, sure. They'll be fine. Good uh, battle testing for the playoffs. And if anything, you're taking some starts off your pitchers, so hopefully you get health in the fall when it matters. Um, you know, with that, you know, I guess prayers up to Max Scherzer. Hope recovery's all good. You know, he's great for baseball. Love the intensity he brings. He's got fucked up eyes. Extra <laughs> piece of the puzzle. Love it. Um, news that you don't love so much. We talked about it uh, in preseason, but the Tyler Skaggs case, obviously we saw some convictions uh, handed down. I don't think sentencing has happened yet, but mm-hmm. an interesting development, a key testimony in that case was Matt Harvey, um, who was a, he's currently minor league deal with Baltimore, but was on the angels at the time and under immunity from the police, he admitted to cocaine use, Oxycontin use, distributing Oxycontin on occasion to Tyler Skaggs. And this was all under the guise of, you know, tell the truth, give your testimony and we will not prosecute you. Unfortunately, that deal was just with the government. Um, with the law enforcement agencies, MLB took exception and they have suspended Matt Harvey 60 games for violating the drug distribution program for his oxycodone distribution. Yeah. I mean, this is just a sad story all around. We've talked about it in a bunch of, a bunch of episodes, just as the developments were happening. And it's, it's unfortunate to see, you know, Matt Harvey at one time was a pretty solid arm. I think he came in fourth place in the Cy Young when he was with the Mets, but he hasn't really been great as of late, but still, you know, this was in the Eric K trial uh, related to the Tyler Skaggs death. Eric K, the former Angels communications director who faces 20 years in prison related to the death of Tyler Skaggs or perhaps distributing him the pills that killed him. Um, and like you said, you know, when Matt Harvey testified in this case, he was under criminal immunity, so he couldn't be criminally prosecuted. But what's what's interesting is here is there was one he's one of five Angels players who admitted to receiving opioids and also taking them. One of those other players is CJ Crone, who we've talked about. He leads the NL in home runs right now. But none of those players will get suspended because they just admitted to using it. They didn't admit to distributing them, which the MLB is a protocol that if you're using drugs like that, you're more kind of push towards kind of a rehabilitation type thing. But I think it was long enough in the past that they won't even face any type of issue where distributing it's a whole different issue. So I think from a baseball perspective, it's like Matt Harvey isn't anything great anymore. So it's not like it's some top tier pitcher we're missing out on, but 
it does kind of seem like it's one of the final chapters in this really unfortunate episode of uh, the Tyler Skaggs kind of whole thing that's been going on. It's a really sad story, but I'll be honest. I hate this move by Major League Baseball. Absolutely hate this move. Not like you said, it's a minor league pitcher in Baltimore system. Arguably like the least could care about instance of actually losing the player, but it's the precedent it sets. Matt Harvey actually did the right thing, gave the honest testimony to bring Tyler Skaggs family closer to justice. And you rewarded him by suspending him. That's not, you know, there's a reason law enforcement gave immunity. You want the guys there. This is really encouraging now if you're an MLB player to just lie, plead the fifth, don't give a testimony, don't aid in any investigations because you're going to be punished. And get this, once again, they have given Matt Harvey 60 more games of suspension for admitting to distributing opioids in this case than they did to any singular player who cheated on the Astros for three straight years. I mean, it's like, it's actually, that's ridiculous. That is a ridiculous, ridiculous line. And I just hate the culture that's going to create. It's like, no, you want players to be able to honestly say what happened and you should reward them as opposed to punish them for honesty. I actually like that point. I didn't, I didn't think about it too much, but I, I kind of agree. Like he was given criminal immunity to talk about this and, you know, he helped the trial progress in a way to help, help Tyler Skaggs, family get justice or, or whatever it may be. But I, I, I do like the point. It feels like the MLB doesn't have to do anything. Like they, they could just be hands off here um, and, and just let this play out because Matt Harvey isn't, you know, a top tier pitcher anymore. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it, it might just be kind of a, a thing written in their rules or, or some in their drug enforcement guidelines that they have to do something like this. But I, I do like the point. It's kind of like, let's just leave it as it is. This has caused enough harm either way. Let's not, you know, make another storyline out of something that doesn't need to be a storyline. Yeah, and I think that's it just caught me off guard. I mean, it's like, who was calling for this? I don't think there was anyone calling for this suspension again you've maybe taken a decent arm a serviceable arm away from a triple a club which like, i don't even care about the baseball ramifications right. it's just like this is not the culture you want within the league so i don't necessarily get it it could be as you say it probably is a written clause but then it's like let's revamp that let's make a provision with this sort of immunity i mean if the government can figure it out surely you would think baseball could figure it out yeah i'm with you uh, I don't have much more to add on it. I think we can turn to um, the next guy. <laughs> we got two more injuries to cover, which is kind of depressing. But real quick on this one, this is kind of, I think we can probably move through this quick because this is kind of like a pseudo injury, like the guy's still going to play. But that's Bryce Harper, um, one of the reigning NL MVP. He's been on a super hot streak recently on an absolute tear. Um, but he... I guess he's his throwing arms all messed up. Uh, so he sat out his third straight game as he recovers from a platelet rich plasma injection in his right elbow that he got because he had a small tear in his ulnar collateral ligament on his throwing uh, elbow. So he hasn't played in three games because of that, but he's expected to return in the next series, which is against the Dodgers actually um, in that rematch. And, but he'll pro he'll be in a DH role which is kind of interesting that he can still hit, 
Um, like, I don't know. There seems like a lot of risk there. But this also may, and but James, I'll throw it to you to talk about Bryce. But before that, this makes it kind of interesting for this um, Philadelphia lineup because you kind of got some guys that aren't the great fielders like Nick Castellanos or Kyle Schwarber who kind of fill that DH role because Bryce Harper is a good right fielder. So it's, it kind of messes with their lineup a little bit, and he'll be out for five weeks. So it's a little bit interesting to see how the Phillies deal with this. But I, I don't think it'll be a huge deal. Yeah, I, you know, and since this has happened and he's been in the DH spot, he's been the best hitter on earth. So, you know, I don't know if, you know, there's anything to be said about really being able to just focus on offense. Um, my understanding of the injury is that it's it's the same UCL injury that, leads pitchers to getting the Tommy John surgery, but it's not at that point yet. So it's sort of like the introductory um, thing. Obviously you cannot play right field without an arm. Bryce Harper has a hose of an arm. They're going to miss that. As you said, you take one of their only good defensive options off the field. So we really get to test this Philadelphia, no defense, all power type lineup. Um, But again, he's looked scorching hot since it happened. Honestly, I would be like, if, you can hit this well consistently with this uh, platelet-rich injection or whatever's going on in the UCL injury. You might want to just keep him injured and keep him at the DH. I mean, he's got a 1.3 OPS in this time. So it's like, man, I'll take you at DH and we'll figure out a defensive fielder. Yeah, I I think they'll be fine um, without him. It's kind of just swapping who's going to play right field. I mean, if you think about it, Nick Castellanos played – left field for most of the last year for the Reds. And, and he's been out there this year too. Um, so I, I think they'll be fine. And like you I said. I say though, this oh, would be ahead. a massive situation last year when Philadelphia would not have had a DH spot. So <laughs> True. That, the That's universal DH come in, you know, I mean, it is already showing its effectiveness um, for situations. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Also fun, before we move on, just why Bryce Harper's there. Cool moment today. He traded his what would have been a game-worn hat. He wasn't playing in the game, just on the bench. Signed it and traded it for a fan snapback. Just pretty awesome. Um, obviously, if you're the fan, like that is the no-brainer of a lifetime. Even if that's a one-of-one hat, like you make the trade and get an MVP signed worn hat. But uh, just cool moment. Yeah, it was. And final injury, I think we can talk about real quick is Chris Paddock, which is pretty unfortunate. This is a um, pitcher on the Minnesota twins who was traded, as you remember from the San Diego Padres earlier this year, Uh, a young, young arm who throws really hard, but he's had injury issues his whole career. He already had Tommy John once when he was in the minors in 2016, and he's going to need Tommy John again and will miss the entire season he was placed on the 10-day injured list earlier for right elbow inflammation, um, but now he's going to need the whole nine yards. He's going to need Tommy John again. It's unfortunate because, honestly, he, was, he wasn't he was pitching too bad at all. Um, he, his record's one and two, but that doesn't really matter. He's got an ERA at four, but the big thing is two walks compared to 20 strikeouts and 22.1 innings pitched. That's pretty solid. Um, and he's not the number one arm in this rotation. You have Joe Ryan and Sonny Gray, who have been pitching really well, um, Dylan Bundy. So he kind of can fit in in one of those lower spots, and he was really serviceable. So it, it's tough to not get to see him for the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I think that's brutal because he's having a bit of a career resurgence. Again, we have not seen the Chris Archer that 
you know, there was, unfortunately, he pretty much has been the brunt of a terrible trade, that being the Tampa Bay uh, Rays trade with the Pirates. He hadn't really looked to form. He looked like he was had something going in Minnesota. Again, not the go-to guy, but a very good third arm. Um, just kind of a tough loss for for him, you know, who was kind of getting his career back on track. He's a pretty fun player, just electricity factor. Um, and then another thing I'll add, you know, again, I, I hate that Chris Archer seems to always be the, the wrong side of a bad trade. <laughs> but again, the trade that sent him to Minnesota – uh, was a one-for-one one with the Padres in which they got Taylor Rogers, an all-star closer. Uh, that's what the Padres have acquired. Uh, and the Twins got five starts out of Chris Archer. So that is going to be a pretty brutal trade. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, Taylor Rogers has been really good. Um, I, I just – it's tough to see. You know, I, I was kind of rooting for Chris Paddock after he got traded from uh, from the Padres – because I, I just didn't feel like it was a great fit for him there. I don't think he really liked it there, it seemed like. Um, and the the, pit, the Padres, excuse me, have a, have a really good staff. And it just didn't seem like he was going to find um, a lot of innings there with how deep they were. That's why he was kind of in the minors for a bit. And they were trying to move him. So I think he did really find a good spot in Minnesota. And it's unfortunate that he's going to miss the rest of the season. But he's young. He'll be back hopefully next year. And hopefully he can avoid injuries um, in the future. I also just realized like halfway through that rant, I completely switched over to Chris Archer, not Chris Paddock. I don't know why that happened in my uh, head, but yeah, Paddock is injured. Still wrong side of the trade. Hope he gets better. The good news is Tommy John is not the career ender. It was 10, 15 years ago. It still sucks. It's a year of just shitty, shitty rehab. Like I would not want anyone to have to go through that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we went through that pretty quick, which is good because I, I don't think they're the most interest. you know, they're just kind of what's going on in the league, big players getting hurt, but it's not things you necessarily want to talk about because you don't want anybody to get hurt. But James, you know, we got three things left. Our Sunday staples uh, or Thursday staples, I guess now, and we don't even do episodes. Max, you're drunk. Um, so we've got our rounding third player watch where we'll give one player that's hot this week, one player that's not this week our lock of the week and we'll discuss our previous week's dual lock that we had. And then finally previewing Sunday night baseball uh, this week. So James, one of my favorite segments of the week, the rounding third player watch will pick one player that's doing real well this week and one player that's not. I'll throw it to you first. How about we start with who's not doing well? I'll give it to you. Give me your negative player. All right. I, I think there's one that's really easy. I hope you touch on him. You may not, but kind of one that's been slipping under the radar, and I feel like it has to be brought up. You know, the White Sox, they're getting better. They're playing a lot better. They're kind of catching up in the standings. But this guy has not been there for them all year in terms of his production, and I am talking about the 2020 AL MVP, Jose Abreu. Mm. You know, he has had a bad season, but particularly in this last week, his week split, he went 5 for 28 from the plate with five strikeouts. He did register two RBIs, no homers. Uh, but that's a 179 batting average. And that's just brutal because in that 2020 season, Jose Abreu was arguably the best contact hitter in the league, an average hitter, while also packing massive, massive power and being able to deliver an oppo taco, you know, 440 feet on command. 
So it's been kind of a very, very fast fall off uh, and really unfortunate because that's a cornerstone guy that the White Sox need at full production to really make a World Series push. I like the pick. Yeah. Jose Abreu has definitely been down there. They actually had one player that I was thinking about doing for my best player of the week. But um, yeah, I think that's a good pick. My negative pick, I referenced it earlier, uh, a St. Louis Cardinal. That's Tyler O'Neill. Um, I've just been really disappointed with what I've seen from Tyler O'Neill. You know, he started this season in game one. He had a homer and five RBIs in opening day. And I was like, this guy could be the NL MVP this year. I mean, he was had an amazing stretch at the end of last season. He was one of our best players, but he just hasn't found his groove yet this year. He actually got placed on the IL today, but so far this year, um, he had an, in 118 at bats. He only has 23 hits. That's 195, 195 batting average. He only has two home runs all year. One of those being opening day. And this is a guy who, you know, has tons of power. I mean, if you just look at him, you know, he can hit home runs. Uh, 20 RBIs. Big thing is 42 strikeouts. That's towards the top of baseball. His OPS is only at 550. This just is a guy that's not hitting a lot of, um, you know, extra base hits. He only has four doubles on the year. I've just been, I've just been disappointed. Um, I, I really thought this could have been a big breakout season for him, and it, it still could be. You know, he's coming. It, it, he's on the IL now, so maybe he's been dealing with some discomfort and maybe taking a stint on the IL. Maybe having a few rehab starts in Memphis can really help him. But I've been pretty disappointed with his performance thus far. Yeah, I mean, I think the pick spot on. I will clown you a bit because I think you even said on the show this guy could win NL MVP. I mean, right now he looks like yeah. he'd be lucky if he can continue to play at the major league level in the NL. But it is sad. I mean, Tyler O'Neill was a guaranteed 2020 season, like 20 stolen bases, 20 homers, like on command, mm-hmm. if not pushing for 30 for 30 club every year. So you'd like to see him definitely pick that up. The Cardinals are going to need that bat. You know, maybe for they sure. don't need to trade for Bogarts if he picks it up a little bit. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I like the pick. He's been underwhelming. I was kind of waiting for a little rant from you or something because I know that's, you know, one of your guys, and he just uh, – not really ready for the 2022 season. So as you said, maybe the rehab starts, start to see the ball a little bit better. Um, Yeah. One honorable mention I also had, and I I wonder if you had any too. I was going to, on my short list was Francisco Lindor, who's been really disappointing so far. Uh, He started off really hot. Everyone was like, he's back, but he's like three for his last 30 or something like that. His uh, last week slash line is a 150 batting average. 243 on base, 267 slugging. That's a 510 OPS. It's terrible. And his replacement at the shortstop position in Cleveland, you know, knock on wood, still young, but Jimenez has been blowing his stats out of the water. I was fortunate enough to watch him in Columbus all the last year. Um, but yeah, Francisco Lindor, I think he had to be mentioned. You know, he wasn't my pick, but he was my number two. I mean, just abysmally yeah. bad for the Mets. How about your best player? Who's been the player that's your must-watch this week? Who's been killing it? This one I'm really excited about because it's easy to kind of fall into the trap of names and all that. And I think part of this segment is kind of elevating some players that maybe aren't getting the eyes they deserve. And this one I'm going to a team that is losing. They haven't been a productive club, but just an insane week split. And that's Cole Calhoun on the Texas Rangers. I mean, he has absolutely lit it up. In the last week, he had... 
23 at-bats. He went 11 of 23, seven runs scored, four homers, nine ribbies. That's a 478 batting average. I mean, that's a weak split, but just insane. He's seeing the ball, I mean, better than anyone in this stretch. So just want to give him his flowers, his props. I know not many people are watching Rangers baseball, but, you know, they've won some games off this streak, and he's just he's scorching hot. Have to give him the shout-out. I like the pick. He was actually on my short list. And it's funny, the Rangers, you know, not a very good team typically. They have the longest win streak in baseball right now at four after sweeping the Angels. So pretty good pretty good run for them. Uh, I think they play the Astros and then they play the Angels again. So, you know, maybe they can keep it up. Pick up some AL West ground. I'm interested to see where, where's your uh, pivot. Who, who's hot for you? I'm actually sticking in St. Louis. I know this is I'm a I'm a big Cardinal fan, but I have to pick Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, in the month of May, he, he's batting 361, a 435 on base percentage, and an OPS at 1.1 with four homers, 13 RBIs, and 14 strikeouts compared to eight walks. So a pretty good ratio there. In last seven days alone. He's batting 400. He's 12 for 30. He's got three home runs, nine RBIs in just the last seven days. His OPS is pushing 1.3. And even today in the Mets game, he had a monster home run. Then he had a double. Then he had a hard hit ground ball that was ruled an error by Eduardo Escobar, but drove in the winning or tying run. Um, He's just been really hot. He's the hottest bat on the Cardinals for sure. And he's been he's been a great run producer for us. Yeah, I mean, I I would like to bust your balls for the double home pick and just keeping it in St. Louis, but truthfully, he is the hottest player on the planet right now. I mean, he just is. I think that's a fair pick. Now, my critique, I think you should have gone somewhere else with the uh, not good watch, just knowing you had Goldie locked up. I figured that's where you were going to go. I mean, I wasn't going to, like, I can't pick your guy when he's scorching hot and he clearly deserves to be in this segment. Um so, yeah, I mean, he's been really good, and that's good to see, you know, because in Arizona, people forget, on the Diamondbacks, he single-handedly owned the Dodgers for five straight years. I mean, he has like 100-something RBIs in Dodger Stadium. So he's just insane. You know, him picking it up, that's going to be really big for that, that Cardinals offense, as we've mentioned, you know, solid, but with some players not playing uh, up to expectations. Just a great run from him. Yeah. I didn't want to pick two Cardinals, but I, I felt it had to be done. Uh, just, you know, both of those guys, I felt like fit the criteria for somebody I was looking at. And, but, but one other guy I was, I was going to choose until earlier today when I was like, these numbers are ridiculous. I have to choose Goldie is Luis Robert from the Chicago White Sox. I know you picked a brave, but Luis Robert, a lot of people's uh, kind of maybe dark horse uh, AL MVP pick preseason. He's climbing in those odds. He's batting over 300. Um, he's just been been really good since he came off the IL. I've been really impressed watching watching some of these games of his. Yeah, no, I mean he's he's an absolute weapon. He's a beast. Other honorable mentions, of course, we touched on it. Bryce Harper scorching hot right now. Aaron Judge remains scorching hot. Probably the front runner for AL MVP at the moment. Um, shout out Carlos. Um, also, cut in the spirit of Homer picks, I will say I wouldn't give him the pick, but certainly in my uh, top five shortlist, Mookie Betts has been really playing mentally uh, out of his mind for yeah. L.A. So he's also been nice. That's kind of my Homer addition, but I don't think he gets the spot. I do like the Goldie pick. I think it's completely fair. He legitimately is the hottest player in baseball. 
Hopefully you're not sick of the Homer picks yet, because I might have another one for my lock of the week. But oh Lord, this is the St. Louis special. I mean, what are we doing here? <laughs> you better you better bring in some Cardinals yeah. listeners. <laughs> well, let's go to the lock of the week now. The first, I mean, we got to recap disappointment. Our, yeah. Disappointment. Yeah. It it was pain. I mean. We had geared up a huge pick, giant brains, like big brain operation going on. I still like the pick. I mean, quite frankly, in my opinion, it's Toronto who let us down. I mean, that was a must-win series, absolutely critical series to win. You'd think they'd show up, uh, and they just could not get it done. I kind of knew off the rip in game one when Springer got hurt. Honestly, he shouldn't have got hurt. It looked ridiculous to watch. Now another knock on Tampa. Double knock that led to the injury at Tropicana Field. He lost the ball in a white dome. Why you ever would have the thing that you look up when you're trying to find a white ball be a white dome beyond how that decision was made. And then also, a lot of people don't know this, in almost every MLB park, the warning track feels different under your cleats intentionally. So an outfielder can look at a ball and know, okay, I'm closer to the wall In Tampa. It is all turf. It's the exact same material. You can't tell the difference. So he was like three feet off the wall, thought he was at the wall. It, it was catastrophic. Just looked terrible, but he got injured. I think it's a total wrong culture move. Just brutal loss for the podcast. Yeah. That blue Jays team's weird right now. Uh, if the playoffs started today, they would be the third and final wild card spot, a game ahead of the White Sox. But I don't know. They they're obviously good. I mean, they they have the talent. It just seems like they're losing games. Um, but I, I I have I think they'll turn it around. I think they'll they'll end up you know pushing towards ninety plus wins. But interesting if, start for them and a tough pick for us. If they are that first wild or the last wild card. That is a brutal team to be matched up against getting the one seed then in the AL. I mean, you would honestly want to not win the one seed. Like, Toronto is not a team you want to play with everything on the line in a series because, you know, if they get hot, they have the capabilities. But brutal loss, real heartbroken about it. Um, They Even what's worse is they won the Saturday match to give us the teaser, give us the chance on Sunday. Brutal stuff there. Because of that, I scaled my picks way back. I went simple, what I know, what I believe in, and I went with what I think is a slam dunk. So I don't know if it's leading. Yeah, I'll I'll just drop it uh, right since we're on it. I mean, I think I just feel very confident, like proper lock of the week, Friday, May 29th. We're going to the Bronx. We are taking the Yankees run line, Yankees minus one and a half versus the Chicago White Sox. Your pitchers for that day are Dallas, blame my teammates, excuse, terrible pitcher Keuchel, versus arguably the most electric pitcher to play the game of baseball, Nestor Cortez. I mean, he's incredible to watch. The Yankees love supporting him, love getting run support. I think this game is a no-brainer. I expect the Bombers to win by a huge margin. I think the 1.5, incredibly safe. Looking to register another win and shake off this brutal loss. I said I was going to keep it a homer pick. I'm not picking the Cardinals to win. I'm going to pick a player. Um, kind of big news out of Cardinal camp is that today they called up Nolan Gorman, who we talked about yesterday. He's going to play second base tomorrow. And they talk, called up one of the top pitching prospects in baseball, uh, Matthew Libertador, who's going to start on Saturday in Pittsburgh. I'm actually going to be at that game. And I'm taking the over on his strikeouts. I don't know what it is. I bet it's like four and a half, five. 
But whatever it is, I'll take the over. I think he's going to have a Steven Strasburg-type debut in the major leagues. Maybe throw upwards double-digit Ks. I like the over. I like Matthew Libertador. I like the Cardinals to take care of business in Pittsburgh. Wow. That, honestly, that is, a, in my opinion, a risky pick. I mean, obviously, I know the name. He's a highly touted prospect. But just kind of balls on the table from you there, Max. You're like, this is my guy. I'm all in. I will point out last time you tried to bet a game that you were going to be at catastrophe. So maybe you can rewrite that streak, but interesting pick. You know, I feel like I tried to go way safe. I almost feel like you're like, no, we went safe with Toronto. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to beat Vegas. I know my guy. Um, How do you know? Like, how's the K rate in the minors? Is he a high K rate guy? (laughs) I honestly have no idea. I don't watch his minor league. It's got to be good. It's got to be good. He's 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 been destroying the minor leagues ever since we traded for him. So he's got to have a good K rate. I expect him to just rip through this minor league team in Pittsburgh. It is a minor league team, so he should feel pretty comfortable. If you can pitch around Brian Reynolds and Cabrian Hayes, I mean, you're basically pitching a pylons up there. <laughs> we'll see though. We we need some wins. We're still at one apiece after yeah, this is episode thirty six. I mean, how many do you think we've placed? Eight or so? Yeah, I think for lock of the weeks, this is pick eight, I believe. So, really long season, but, you know, it's like Jared Carabas keeps saying with the Red Sox, season starts today. I feel great. The Bronx are going to take care of me. I normally don't find myself cheering for the Yankees, but in this case, I'm all out. You know, let's get the White Sox the hell out of town, get a nice, easy three, five win deficit and let's get a couple wins here I, I love your experimental bet you know i'm hoping that hits i hope he comes in with a crazy debut but uh let's get some w's on the board and make some people some cash because i've been losing it these bets is, this is not a for-profit organization <laughs> let's let's do it let's let's win some people some money and win us some money we've been down big but james last thing on the ballot for today as always, previewing Sunday Night Baseball. I really enjoyed last week's Sunday Night Baseball Cardinals with Giants. This week, we have a big-time AL matchup, um, a rematch of a series that just completed, actually. Uh, just last weekend, we have the Chicago White Sox going to the Bronx to play the New York Yankees, um, two top teams in the AL, I know the White Sox haven't been quite there, but they've got the talent back and healthy. The Yankees are the best team in baseball right now. Uh, they played just a couple weeks ago, a four-game series, or not a couple weeks ago, a couple days ago, four-game series in Chicago, and the Yankees took care of business, winning 3-1. to one. But, James, before I throw it to you, pitching matchup, Dylan Cease for the White Sox, who's just totally electric, um, I mentioned him when I was talking about my AL Cy Young pick. I didn't end up picking him, but he's striking out everybody these days. Um, versus Jamison Taya, I don't even know how to say his last name, to be honest. Um, so b- pitching advantage for the White Sox. But, James, what do you think about this uh, Sunday night matchup? I th- Look, I think it's going to be a very exciting Sunday night game. Obviously, we know that the Yankees win Friday night because of my bet. Just looking at the pitching matchup, you have to favor Chicago. This isn't even like a narrow margin. I mean, this is like about as wide of a pitching margin as you can possibly get. I think the White Sox take care of business in this mm. particular matchup on the back of C's and a great start. But I just like the team. Look, it's going to be fun. You're in the Bronx. Like, 
love them or hate them, it's a great thing to watch televised, you know, because they may start throwing garbage at players. You don't like you, all things. When you're playing in the Bronx, everything's on the table. So that's great entertainment value. The teams that are playing are electric. I mean, I feel like whenever the lights are on, Tim Anderson is one of the most fun players in baseball to watch. I think of when this these teams met in the uh, Field of Dreams game last year. In my opinion, that was the best game of last season. Not even close second on that one. So I'm hoping, you know, different environment, but I hope we get that same kind of electric primetime energy. Yeah, I, I, I was going to bring up the Field of Dreams game too. That was probably the last primetime game these two teams played. Maybe not, but I would assume it probably is. Um, it should be fun. I, I like the White Sox too, I think. I think I think I just like Dylan Cease. He's got that great mustache going. He's got a lot of swag up on the mound. I think he might might get some swing and misses versus this just deadly Yankee lineup right now. But we'll have to see. Um, two heavy offensive lineups. Hopefully a lot of runs are scored. That would be nice to see. Um, there were a lot of runs scored last Sunday night, and I, I think the Sunday night before that was the Phillies-Mets game. That was pretty dry, or maybe it was the Padres-Phillies game, one of those. Um, but, yeah, should be a fun American League matchup. I'm excited for it. I will say absolutely brutal, in my opinion, is that we don't have the K-Rod cast for this game. I was just pulling mm. up their schedule. It's like, man, that like if the Yankees are playing, I actually want to listen to the K-Rod thing, almost just to police Michael K and Alex Rodriguez doing a Yankee suck fest. So it's kind of a huge swing and miss, in my opinion. If you know the Sunday night game is the Yankees, do not have the K-Rod broadcast when both guys are closely associated with the New York Yankees, but... You know, I don't make the production schedule. That is true. That would have been nice to see. I don't know why they wouldn't have them for this game. I mean, it seems like they'd probably get the most viewership on this game, <laughs> talking about the Yankees. I looked it up because I was excited. I was kind of like, yes, this is like a must-listen to K-Rod, like I'm all in. They may be there in Yankees apparel, who knows, but no chance. Complete oversight not having them live from the Bronx, which I don't even know where what studio they record that from, but I would have put them right at Yankee Stadium, but, you know, yeah. whatever. It's still going to be a great game. I mean, I know they announced Sunday night baseball games throughout the season. Like, they just announced the Cardinals are in some June one, so it's not all predetermined before the season. So they probably picked, like, K-Rod dates that they were doing or something like that. I, I don't know, but. They do have K-Rod dates, and uh, they are actually calling that July 3rd. It's Cardinals Philly, Philly Sunday night baseball. So right before Independence Day, play Philly. That's a classic. We'll be all in on the Cardinals, obviously, but huge swing and a miss, but still going to be a great game. I just hope the stars show up. That's always my hope with Sunday Night Baseball. Like, let's see some, let's see the Bronx Bombers. Let's see some home runs. Let's see Jose Abreu pick it up. Let's see Tim Anderson be electric. Like, I want these games to be the best games of the year, hoping to attract some baseball fans. I think Independence Day is in uh, July, unless they moved it. I might not be aware, but. That's a July third game. Oh, July third. I thought you said June third. I may have I said June third, but it is a, it is July third. No, it's I'm very up to speed with the Independence Day. Uh, great holiday. I heard all the people are going to Cleveland to celebrate this year. So <laughs> make your reservations. Get to the uh, you know Cleveland and let's let's celebrate. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be gonna be a great game. I just hope we get the best of it. You know, qu- honestly, if you don't have the bombers activated and you don't get that electricity, then I hope Cease has a game to remember. I would love for a no-hitter to happen on Sunday Night Baseball. 
Like that's that's prime electricity. Uh, I'm not sure we get that. Again, this Yankees lineup is about as hot as it's ever been. Definitely resembling Murder's Row back in the day. So uh, we'll see, but good matchup. Yeah, good matchup, good episode. Um, that covers our topics for today. Um, James, it was fun, fun to talk baseball. Always a pleasure. You know, follow the Twitter, rounding third now. Um, follow the show, and let's just keep it going. Episode 36, we're climbing. We're getting closer to the Jackie episode. That's going to be a big one. Circle that on the calendars. Um, and, yeah, I mean, let's keep it rolling. Hopefully, next show, less injury news, a little bit more exciting, fun news. Um, so, again, you know, just hope everyone who got injuries recovers from that. And uh, Major League Baseball, be better. Hate the Matt Harvey suspensions. Just got to underscore that again. Thank you, everyone.